I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. I don't know. A little horse. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but... Pony! thought it was going to be a horse little horse. <coughs> oh my Hello, gosh. everyone. Welcome to episode... What episode is this? Uh, six? six? Wow. That happened fast. Yes, episode six. <laughs> yeah. So we are on... Oh my gosh, excuse me. I'm sick, so if I cough in the middle or do something weird, I'm sorry. Um... We're at episode six, and today we are talking about suffering um, and how we all encounter some kind of suffering in our lives, but how do we um, combat it, how do we encounter it, and how do we carry and bear our crosses properly. So, of course, we always start off with our joy junk Jesus. So, Matt, what is your joy junk Jesus? My joy is that uh, my wife is pregnant. And that's so exciting, and we're so excited to tell everyone finally, so our announcement will be out by the time that this podcast goes live, so um, that's just been a really awesome joy. Um, And we just got back from vacation in London, so um, that's my joy, but also my junk, because I'm jet-lagged. My sleep schedule has totally been off these past two days, so I think I'm okay now, but... um, When are you sleeping? In 30-second intervals (laughs) while I drive. No, um... (laughs) Good. <laughs> no. That's good. Um, yeah. So it's, I think I'm back to normal. And then my Jesus, I've just felt like yesterday and today, like, you know, when you get those feelings that someone is like really praying for you, like that's a prayer warrior. I just feel like someone out there is really praying for me and I can feel it. So if it's you, thank you. Cause it is working. Jenna, what about so you? Sweet. Um, so wow. We have similar joys. Really? Why? Yes, because I'm pregnant. No too. way! Yes. <laughs> yep. So, um, if you're confused, Matt's wife is Erica. <laughs> yes. And she is pregnant. <laughs> My husband Tony and I are pregnant. Well, and I'm we did pregnant. not plan or coordinate this. No. Because that would That's be really weird. weird. <laughs> no. So, right now. Well, even by well, by the time this podcast comes out, I'll be 18 weeks pregnant, and Erica will be 16, 16 and a half, something, something so like that. So she's a little behind me, which yeah. is awesome. So part of my joy also is that I'm starting to feel baby move, and um, the other night I was laying in bed and I could <clears> feel a little baby kicking, and I had grabbed Tony's hand, and it's still really early where you can't really feel it, but you kind of can, mm-hmm. and he put his hand on my stomach, and the baby like kicked him a little bit, and he's like, whoa, that felt like my knuckle just popped. <laughs> so What a profound reflection. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, my junk is that I've been sick, so excuse my cough and my sniffles, um, but that has sent me to being really exhausted and really tired too, but also just kind of blah, mm-hmm. and not really wanting to do a lot. Um, luckily, I'm 
on the mend. I don't have the crazy flu like a lot of people. So stay safe and get healthy out there. Um, and then my Jesus moment was my other best friend, because you can have a few, <laughs> like two. <laughs> There's like, okay, I won't explain it. But um, Kelly, shout out to Kelly. Oh, that's our eighth shout out. Eighth shout Kelly. Um, she was home from Mississippi. She goes to vet school in Mississippi. And um, she was home and we went for a 7 a.m. beach walk. And it was so beautiful because the sun was just coming up and um, the clouds looked super pretty and the sky looked beautiful and the birds were going everywhere. And so um, it was just really beautiful to encounter Christ in nature the other morning. So That's those awesome. are my joy and my junk. Love Kelly. My Jesus. <laughs> yes, and I love Kelly too. She's great. She's hilarious. So, today, let's get into it. Um, talking about suffering. Suffering can... There's so many different forms of suffering, too. There's, mm-hmm. you know, physical suffering, um, emotional suffering. If we have a loss in our family, um, and, you know, me and Matt both have encountered suffering in so many different ways mm-hmm. and um, losses, but there are typically certain ways that we all deal with suffering, um, Plus, I think this is one of those big questions that people have. Like, yes. why would God allow suffering? You know, if God is love, why would a God who is professed to be all-loving, you know, all-powerful, who could take all suffering away, like, why does that happen? And I think it's a reason why a lot of people, one of the reasons why a lot of people are dissuaded from the church today or get, mm. or leave the church today. So I think that's an important thing to mention and talk about, too. Yeah, yeah, and that's such a, that is such a huge part, and so many, that is such a huge question. So many people ask that, like, if God is so good, why is there suffering in the world? And um, for a lot of people that are are also pursuing their faith or are new to pursuing God, um, that is something that can easily deter them from it and from pursuing Him because it hurts and it's hard and you think that you know sometimes god is just going to be like a magic pill that fixes everything yeah and that's not true we we see that by looking at the cross that you know there's going to be suffering and there's going to be hurt but it's all worth it in the end that he brings hope and he brings the resurrection yeah there's this very cheap form of the gospel out there that says like if you believe in jesus everything will be fine Mm -hmm. you know like the health and wealth gospel Mm -hmm. you know like you know, um, I believe in the Lord, and so he gives me lots of money, and, and I have a very happy, comfortable life. You may know who I'm impersonating, but that, you know, Jesus loves all kinds. But I think that that's something to be aware of, that, like, nowhere in Scripture does it say, come and follow me. It's going to be and, easy. And, you know, pick up your Snuggie every day and be comfortable. <laughs> it's, you know, carry your cross. Yeah. If you don't know what a Snuggie is, Google it. Google they're comfy. I still have mine. It's cheetah. Um, but yeah, so so it's not it's not an easy path. Suffering is extremely difficult and extremely hard. But we all deal with suffering, um, sometimes in different ways. But also, we have um, the stages of grief. If you ever heard about it, there's uh, five stages of grief: denial, anger, bargaining, depression. And then the last one is acceptance. And when I was researching this topic. Um, because I'm very, very passionate about this topic. I know that sounds maybe a little strange, <laughs> but um, I've I've been through enough in my life to know that I have never encountered suffering well. I don't carry mm-hmm. my cross very well. I like to 
thrown on the ground and then stare at it and kind of throw a tantrum and be like, no, Jesus, this isn't happening today. I'm not doing this. I don't want it. Um, so I'm probably stuck in the denial phase quite often. <laughs> um, but so we have these five different stages. And I, when I was researching, there's a book called God's um, Healing for Life Losses. And it's by Robert W. Kellman. And he has a PhD. Um, and this book breaks down the different stages of, of grief. And then it also breaks down how it has four stages of acceptance at the end. Hmm. Um, but he ta- doesn't just talk about how we psychologically take on suffering. He talks about how we need to be actively pursuing faith within each stage. Hmm. And the different stages of um, faith that we need to be actively pursuing. And so today I'm going to talk about that a little bit and talk about um, also just some different saints and Bible quotes that um, God has placed in our path to kind of help us cope with these things. So stage number one is denial, which is typically um, we encounter something, a death, um, a loss maybe of job or something, and we want to say like, it's not true. No, this can't be happening to me. I don't want this to happen. And we kind of refuse to believe it. Um, but Proverbs twenty four twenty six says he kisses the lips of those who give a right answer. And basically what the book was talking about is that um, we need to be honest with ourselves. Because if we're not, we're not honest with ourselves of what is happening, we're just going to be stuck in the denial phase one, and we're going to encounter more suffering because we're not going to take on the challenge that we has been presented in our life. And so um, if we're encountering God and we're saying in ourselves and saying, okay, this is what is happening. We're not allowing God's grace um, where he can enter into that suffering mm-hmm. and into that denial. So I also kind of see it in Peter's denial um, yeah. of Christ, where he, which is, we see it in two different ways. We see Peter denying Christ and saying, um, no, I do not know him. I do not know this man. But I feel like Peter was also in this first phase of denial because he knew what was coming for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sitting there going, I, I don't, this isn't true. So I'm just going to completely remove myself from everything that I've known for these past couple of years and this person that I followed mm-hmm. and deny that this is happening to me Yeah. because my savior is supposed to be here, but this isn't how it should go down. Yeah. It's kind of like that. If I don't acknowledge it, if I don't call it what it is, like maybe it'll go away. Maybe yeah. it'll get better. Like maybe some, you know, m- miracle will happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times we just need to be honest. You know, I'm, I remember the first, one of the first big losses I ever experienced was the death of my best friend in high school. And I, I didn't speak f- mm-hmm. to anyone for, you know, a solid chunk of time. And I remember people coming up to me, I believe it happened on a Saturday. And so at school the next Monday, a bunch of people were coming up to me. And my poor friends, like they had to like, field all these questions because I would just like stare into the eyes of these people asking me these questions and like no words would come out like I was Mm -hmm. mute with this denial like I don't want to put words to this because that makes it more real yeah um and that can be so so painful when we're going through something and and this is the same thing with like temptation and with sin right like Mm -hmm. we can't help it we can't give it to the Lord we can't seek guidance or discernment in it until we name it Yes. Until we say, like, this is what it is, this is what I need help with, and until we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and say, like, you know, I'm going to abandon for two seconds this social media generation that I live in where I highlight all the good things in my life and actually come forward and be vulnerable with the stuff that I'm struggling with and 
only then can can real healing start to take place. Yeah. We can't like sugarcoat our life for the rest of our life or else it's just going to get bottled up and bottled up and bottled up. And I really think this is how, you know, chemical imbalances really develop or worsen in the brain and things like severe anxiety and depression really have an opportunity to escalate mm-hmm. because we're allowing ourselves to become so internalized that our body literally has to shift mm-hmm. in order to deal with what's weighing on it and being held inside of it. That's interesting. Yeah, being honest with yourself is huge because it gives you that step. Mm-hmm. You take that first step. Um, and I, I ended up in, in similar situations where um, Tony and I had experienced our miscarriage. And I just, I remember us both thinking, I knew what was going on in my body. You know, you experience something like that and you just know immediately. Um, but... I also was in this phase that I needed somebody else to tell me. Like, I needed I needed to go to the doctor, and this isn't happening. You look everything up on Google that you yeah. can, and you try and find some excuse or some reason for it not yeah. to happen to you. Um, but you do. You sit in this denial until you finally, you say it out loud, and you tell yourself, like, no, 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 you need to slow down. You need to process this. Yeah. That's important, processing. Um, but this is what's happening, and this is what has happened. And it's going to be okay yeah it's gonna be okay it's scary because like saying it out loud makes it real (laughs) yes you know and and so much of it can just be like internalized and just like it's gonna be fine it's gonna be okay i'll deal with this later i'll deal with this when everything is like slowing down like i can't stop right now i'm so busy you know i just gotta go 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 and you know like that's so unhealthy (laughs) you know because you don't notice the way it's permeating all the other aspects of your life and you know causing you to rescind from your friendships or to draw back from family or to you know cause yourself to internalize all your emotions and you can become almost like sociopathic in some sense like with your emotions like become emotionless because you Mm -hmm. turn that button off become numb yeah in your brain Mm -hmm. so you don't have to deal with it and that Mm -hmm. that's so dangerous and a hard place to come back from if you're there for for too long Mm -hmm. so then um once you've moved past denial we typically move into Uh, the stage of anger and something to keep in mind with this stage is being angry is not bad Mm -hmm. it's it's part of the the steps of grief and it's okay to be angry and so the um what you need to do is be honest with god now so you've been honest with yourself you said okay this is what is happening i'm no longer in denial and typically what will happen is you if you do have a faith or you um and practicing, you're going to immediately be like, why God? This is not okay. And I'm so incredibly mad at you for allowing this because you're supposed to be good. You're supposed to have control and you have done this in my life. Mm-hmm. And for us to um, just completely turn our backs on him and be angry in that way and just take out our anger, <clears throat> which typically you'll take out your anger on your family, on friends, anybody around you that's trying to help, you'll push them away even harder. Um, this step of anger can be extremely dangerous because we can end up lashing out and pushing everybody that's trying to help us as far away as we can. Yeah. And then God, the one that truly can help us and start that healing process, we don't have a true conversation with him. And it's okay to pray and to be like, I'm so mad at you and this is why. There's no harm in that. It's not like God can't take it. It's not like he's going to be like, that really hurt and I'm really trying. Um <laughs> I just I can't I can't talk to you now. Yeah, that's not God. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't respond like that. Yeah, that's God's not silly. a mean girl. Like. No, 
No, he's not. No, he's and he's not going to turn on you just because you get mad at him. He knows that that's going to happen. Yeah. He knows that you're going to get angry, and it's okay to do that. Um, but we have to remember that First Corinthians, First Corinthians, dang it, I can't talk. Says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. And most of you know the rest of the verse, so I'm not going to read it. But that first, just little snippet, love is patient. Mm-hmm. We have to be patient. We know that our God is. Our God is patient, and he will be patient with us when we're angry, angry and mad at him. Um, but we also have to remember that we have to be patient with ourselves. We have to be patient with him yeah. because he's not going to leave us in this whole um, being, you know, sad and suffering and wanting to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's not going to leave us there. <clears throat> yeah, and that's it's so hard when you're in that moment. Because <clears throat> in those moments, you're not thinking rationally. You yeah. know, you're not like, I need to really just like be real with it or be patient, you know, like, mm-hmm. but that it's interesting that you chose that. Cause that word patience comes from a, the Latin word potentia, which means suffering mm-hmm. in Latin. Uh, and so like to be patient really means to be, um, you know, in suffering, to really be accepting of suffering that's happening. Um, and for those of you who are impatient, you know how much of a moment of suffering it is when you're called to be patient. Um, that's why I think that that word is so smart, but I think this is also really where that question we mentioned before comes in. Like where that question, why God would you do this? Mm -hmm. If you're really who you say you are, if you're really love, if you're really all powerful, why can't you make this go away? And we've bought into this misnomer of Christianity means that my life is going to be perfect or my life is going to be comfortable or God's going to have me, you know, in the perfect situation, the perfect plan and nothing bad will happen. Nothing can touch me. And that is not what a loving relationship looks like. You know, like, like you know being pregnant, my wife knows being pregnant, that already, like, your body is experiencing little sufferings every single day out of love for this other person that you are literally growing inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we can see just from that, like, our basic biology that, like, we are designed to know that love cannot happen without suffering. Love cannot happen without choice. Love cannot happen without that free response. But that doesn't mean that everything would be perfect. Like if we lived in a utopia, in a perfect world, like with no struggle, there'd also be no room for bravery. There'd be no room for courage, for real sacrifice, for real love, because love requires laying down my own life, right? Laying down my own desires and and hopes and dreams for the future for this other person and sacrificing and sacrifice is, you know, there's a reason why sacrificing and snuggling are not synonyms. Like there's, it's not comfortable, you know, like it's, it hurts and it's difficult and that's why everyone's not called to it in the same way. But we realize like on this higher plane of existence, eventually, you know, it's not about instant gratification and it can't be about just like how much I achieve in comparison to other people. Eventually you have to stop, looking at how I can, what I can get to make myself happy. You have to like transcend to that next level of happiness to where you're seeking true joy, where it's about what can I give? What can I do for other people? And that always, in my opinion, leads, leads you to the Lord. Uh, people who know me really well know that, you know, I commonly say like Jesus and I are in a fight right now yeah. because like I, I know I'm not going to understand why. Because then I'd be on the same intellectual level as God, and that would be dangerous because I'm not very smart. Like, and the world would come crumbling down. So, like, I know God is going to do things that I will never understand this side of heaven. And maybe even in heaven, you know. But I have to know with faithfulness that God is who he says he is. And so, like, like you said, like, God can take your anger. 
Like you're not you're, you're not gonna like break him. Yeah. God's not gonna be like oh, I I just this God thing is too hard. Can't People are too this. mad at me. I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> like God's not a sissy. Like he can take your anger. And so you know if you need to. Yell at the tabernacle, yell at the tabernacle. If you want to sing love songs to the tabernacle, sing love songs to the tabernacle. <laughs> but, like, be real with God. He gave you your emotions not so you would be a numb robot who doesn't exercise them. Like, he literally formed them with his fingers. And so, like, use them. Like, he can, he knows them. And he's going to respond to them regardless of if you're really struggling with that. And so I think that answering that question here at this point when you're really angry and asking that question, God, why would you allow suffering? Because love requires suffering. It requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Real love. Look at the cross. You know, yeah. Jesus, you know, it's not like Jesus is nailed to a teddy bear. Like he's, yeah. you know, he is nailed to a... The most gruesome... Gruesome capital punishment. You know, like it's... That's the symbol of our faith. Yeah. You know, and that's why I love walking into Catholic churches and seeing the crucifix, looking up and knowing my suffering is welcome here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I remember being so mad and not knowing it and, and not really going to prayer. And I remember going to, um, adoration one time and I remember sitting there and just finally being so sick of it and so tired and so spiritually exhausted and just looking at Christ and just being like, I'm so done. Like I'm so done Mm -hmm. and I'm now realizing I'm mad at you and I, I don't want to be, but I don't understand any of this. And just having a really honest, genuine prayer. And um, within like a couple hours that after that moment, beginning to feel this cloud kind of lift. Mm-hmm. And not realizing how heavy it had been. Not realizing mm-hmm. how dark it had been. And how I hadn't been myself for kind of a long time. Yeah. Um, and we don't realize these things until... We turn to him and we say, like, I'm, I'm done. Like, I don't, I'm so tired. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. I'm so all of these things. Um, because our eyes are just shadowed by darkness and by um, just so much hurt and pain. Yeah. And then when we ask him or we tell him, he says, okay, here's the light. Even if it's just a little bit, here it is for you. Um, I'm not going to say this name right, but St. Ephraim? Ephraim? Ephraim of Syria. Thank you, Matt. He said, uh, virtues are formed by prayer. Prayer preserves temperance. Prayer suppresses anger. Prayer prevents emotions of pride and envy. Prayer draws into the soul the Holy Spirit and raises man to heaven. We have mm-hmm. to pray. It's, it's so necessary for this process to call God into these moments of anger and allow him to work. Yeah. It's so necessary. And seeing that prayer, remembering that prayer is a relationship. And just in life, like our relationships can get so tense at sometimes that you need a third party. So like say that you are in a marriage and you need marriage counseling. Like you go to a third party to say things that you should be saying directly to your spouse. But it's just gotten to a point where for some reason you can't. There's a barrier there. And so in our relationship with God, sometimes we need marriage counseling. And I think the third party we can go to is Mary. Because, like, she's going to direct our message right back to God already. She's our prime intercessor, like. And so doing that, like, in those moments where, like, Jesus, you and I are in a fight right now, so I'm just going to talk to your mom because she's going to, she's going to get you right, you know? (laughs) Or, like, having that moment where you can be, like, you know, 
how can you be mad at Mary? Like, you know, I, know. Uh, I mean, how can you be mad at God, really? But like, sometimes we, we can rationalize that in our mind. But I couldn't possibly rationalize ever being mad at Mary because, you know, no. she's not all powerful. You know, she's just there to literally just like spiritually hug us all the time. And like, <laughs> so, you know, not that she's not fierce and like intense either, but like she can be that third party if you're just like in a fight with Jesus. So true. So true. She's so good. <clears throat> So then we move on to the third step, which is bargaining. And bargaining, um, we typically, we try and make a deal or we try and tell God or even just like tell our situation, this is not how you should be, first of all. Mm -hmm. This is how you should be. Or we try and bargain with God and we try and say, um, like, no, you have to set things back. You have to put things back to the way that my normal was. And we have to realize that, no, now we're living in a new normal and we have to adjust to that. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard when you're set in this this bargaining of like, no, I really want this back. Give it to me. I'll give you whatever. I'll give you my faith. I'll give you my life. I'll give you yeah. this other thing instead if you just give me this one thing. Yeah. Please, God, please. Um, so in this step, we, has to, we have to ask God for help. So now we've had a conversation with him. We've told him why we're mad. But we've named of, what it is. We've named what it is. Yeah. But now we have to ask him, okay, I can't do this. <clears throat> like, I can't do this by myself. I need mm-hmm. your help and I need your your aid. Um, and so it says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And this is Hebrew 4.16. Um, God isn't going to leave us. Yeah. He's not going to run away because he's scary. He's yeah. not going to be like, I can't. I can't do this right now. I have a thousand other people, a million other people, a billion other people I have to talk to and, and yeah. do things for. Like, I can't. He's not going to just run away and leave you. He yeah. wants to give you his grace and his mercy. And we have an army of spiritual companions, you know, yes. in those moments. Like, you know, asking, you know, if you're really feeling like the spiritual warfare from it, like asking St. Michael the Archangel, asking your guardian angel, asking your patron saints or those people that you go to in prayer to pray for you, to Mm -hmm. direct your prayers to God so it's not just you because you're admitting in that moment, like, I can't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. And so the logical next step is is asking other people to help you in that. And we, if we're not good at doing that with physical people, maybe we can start with spiritual people. Yeah. Uh, People who, you know, have died and gone before us or, you know, angels or people like that who can echo our prayers or say our prayers for us that we can articulate um, and bring them to the feet of of Jesus when we are just too weak to do it ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know. And I see this all the time in in my own suffering, like wanting, you know, take me instead, give me the suffering instead of this person and wanting this. And I think like that exactly comes back to that desire for things to go back to the way they were. But that's not logical, you know? I mean, when you think about the suffering of Jesus, you know, how dumb it would have been for Peter to be like, can we just go back to you being a carpenter? Like, <laughs> let's just go all the way back. Like, let's just pretend none of this ever happened. And be like, are you serious? Like, we would have looked at Peter and been like, you're nuts. Like, Jesus is Jesus. We need him to do this, yeah. you know? But we don't know that until we're looking back retrospectively. Mm-hmm. And so we realize, like, wow, God really brought something from this. And so if we're anticipating the hope, if we're anticipating that God is doing something new every time we encounter that moment of suffering. It's really hard in that moment, but if we can turn that switch on to just be like, okay, God, like, I don't understand. I'm really angry. 
I don't want to accept this, but I'm going to be looking for what you are going to do with this. Instead of looking backward, I'm looking forward, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that can really help us in that desire to, to get through this with the help of other people. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know how you, I know how you view God for the most part. <laughs> um, that's good. But I don't know how, you know, our listeners necessarily view God, but I have always kind of shied away as looking at God as my friend. And mm-hmm. I need, that's something I need to kind of change and fix, um, about my faith. But I just, whenever I hear God is your friend, I just hear the song, Jesus is a friend of mine, <laughs> on repeat in my brain, and I'm like forever scarred by it, so I kind of, or like the thumbs up Jesus, yeah. like that's, those are the things I think of, but, <laughs> but God doesn't want to just be, you know, he wants to be our father, but he also wants to walk with us just as a friendship, just as, you know, your best friend, your good friend that wants to encounter every single moment with you and yeah. be with you in every step of the way. Um, and St. Ignatius got this. He said, we must speak to God as a friend speaks to his friend, servant to his master. Now asking some favor, now acknowledge our faults and communicating to him all that concerns us, our thoughts, our fears, our projects, our desires, in all things seeking his counsel. And that's something, obviously, I mean, I need to work on and asking God to you know, be my friend and mm-hmm. walk with me and journey with me and hear all my things. And I do that typically in prayer, but I just don't think of him yeah. in that way. But our friends help us, you know. Mm-hmm. When we fall down, our friends carry us and pick us up. And that is who God wants to be, especially in these moments that we, we need him the most. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth stage is depression. And so this doesn't mean that you're going to be in a depression that you have a mental illness, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but depression is, is healthy because, I mean, if we lose somebody, be pretty messed up if we weren't depressed about it. Yeah, we need to grieve. We need to grieve. Yeah. It is good. <clears throat> it is okay. So getting to this stage, um, sometimes we want to run away from it because there's this stigma with depression and being sad for a longer amount of time that you're forever going to be stuck in it. You're yeah. never going to get out or there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And no, you need to grieve how you need to grieve. Um, so this this stage is really important and it's okay to be in it for a yeah. little while. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so we need, we need the courage to admit that our loss is bringing us sadness. Mm. Um, we need to do that. And when, and then, so we've asked for God's help, but now we actually have to let him help. Mm. I'm the kind of person that <laughs> I don't like, one, asking for help, and then I sometimes don't like receiving it <laughs> um, unless I'm in dire, dire need. And yeah. Matt knows this. Yes. <laughs> I, I watch just... it painfully <laughs> over and over again. It's really, it's really <laughs> bad. Um, but I just, I have something in me that really doesn't like like it and Mm -hmm. I also shy away from being comforted sometimes and that's all that our our Lord wants to do is comfort us and then give us the help that we desperately desperately need well I mean nobody likes appearing or feeling like they're appearing weak or like they don't have the answer Mm -hmm. you know like isn't that the the biggest two biggest like terrifying things all through like school and through our development and through life is like I don't want to appear weak and I don't want to appear like I don't have the answer. Like, think of school. Think of your job. Think of, like, you know, your family. You don't want to be the one that's perceived as the weak link or the one that's not achieving or the one that's not doing this or that. Yeah. And it's the same thing in our spiritual life. And that's, 
that's something we really have to get used to realizing, like, that's something we cannot avoid. Like, we are characteristically, as Christians, weak and without the answers. Because Jesus is our strength, and he is the answer. And if we're seeking to be either of those, then we're trying to be Jesus on a daily basis. And the sooner we admit that we are not him, the sooner he can do what only he can do. And we can abandon that seat of saviorship within our lives and get out of it ourselves so that Jesus can sit in it. Yes. So what is not healthy about this stage is um, hopelessness. That is not healthy. Yeah. Being stuck in hopelessness because we are not hopeless. We have a God that um, goes before us. So the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This is Deuteronomy 31.8. Our God has walked before us. He's done all of this. He's felt it all. He knows what it's like. And he doesn't want us to walk alone. And he doesn't want us to feel like we're hopeless because he's constantly there aiding us and guiding us. Um, St. Sebastian said, When it is all over, you will not regret having suffered. Rather, you will regret, regret having suffered so little and suffered that little so badly. Wow. Right? So cool coming from a guy who was shot to death by arrows. Like, to realize, like, wish you had suffered so little and then arrow. It's like, man, what a beast. That's awesome. Yeah, he is a beast. But it's, I feel like our world is so bad at suffering. Mm -hmm. We don't take it on. We run away from it. We hide from it. We do everything we can to avoid it. We are um, in such a world of comfort in our area for the most part, you know. But we, we don't like it. We yeah. think that it needs to stop. But suffering is so good for your soul. It's so good for your faith. Um, Doesn't mean you should like actively seek it out. Don't do that. <laughs> like, don't do that. No, no, no. Get no, your no. suffering. <laughs> like, no, no. But, yeah, when it comes, realizing, like, okay, there can be redemption here. You yes. know, there's a purpose to this. Let me let me find it out with the help of other people. Mm-hmm. No. You don't, please don't seek it out. It's so bad. So... After we've gone through all these four stages, we come to acceptance. And in the book that I mentioned, um, he breaks down acceptance into four stages. I'm not going to go through them all and describe them all, but basically they look like this. So the fifth stage of acceptance, um, trusting with faith. So having faith that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You have to, and, and you're going to get to that stage like, okay, I'm okay now. I know it is still really sucks. But I trust that God is going to continue with me. Um, and then groaning with hope is the next stage, which I love. Um, that thought of groaning, you know, it, it mm-hmm. hurts. It still hurts, and that's okay, but there's hope. Um, perceiving with grace is the next step. And then the last one is engaging with love. So mm-hmm. taking it all on, knowing that um, our God, who is love, has allowed this suffering to happen but it's for the good of your soul and it's for good of his glory and taking that on um saint isidore said the more we are afflicted in this world the greater is our assurance in the next the more we sorrow in the present the greater will be our joy in the future Mm. so any suffering that you take on it's going to be a thousand times better your joy is just going to be a thousand times better in heaven and we have yeah. to accept that we have to know with hope that that is coming and that is good and god is good yeah i mean you see this on the faces of people who've suffered tremendous loss or mm-hmm. tremendous 
you know, disadvantage due to their, you know, socioeconomic status or geographical location or, you know, whatever it may be that, you know, the people who've suffered most in life, who've suffered well, there's something that they have that when you talk to them, there's this like extra, there's this heightened level of joy that cannot be accessed by other things of this world. And like I said, it doesn't mean that we should seek out suffering to achieve that, but we're all going to face suffering at some point, major and minor sufferings every single day. Otherwise, like everything would be going exactly how we want it, you know, all the time. And so anything that doesn't go exactly how we want can be constituted as a small minor suffering, but even big things like loss, illness, cancer, you know, like terrible tragedies that happen, um, being able to recognize like, I'm going to name this, I'm going to seek to understand not feeling that I have all the answers I'm going to get help and I'm going to let that help help me Mm -hmm. and eventually I'll be led to a place where I'm going to accept this and so someone who really personified this is our saint in the making we have a blessed this week um, blessed Chiara Luce Badano and so if you don't know who this girl is she only lived to 18 years old and so she was a teenager and she is on the path to sainthood and she lived very, very recently. She was born October 29th in 1971 in Sicello, Italy. And her feast day is on her birthday, October 29th. Um, so her parents, they were very humble um, in their background. Her dad was a truck driver. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom. And they, they tried to have a kid for 11 years. Oh and then they finally had her. And she lived a normal teenage life. She had a spat where she like stole an apple from a neighbor and like it was this really innocent story so if you have time to look it up it's really really cute but she fought with her parents she failed her first year of high school you know like we look at saints as like these perfect people and this was like textbook teenager um until um when she was nine she joined this movement called the focolare movement it's a catholic movement was at the time for unity and in brotherhood and sisterhood and they focus on the forsaken image of Christ as like someone who can be a comfort in difficult mm-hmm. times of suffering. Um, and so when she was 16, seven years later, she had a really profound experience with them on a retreat. And she considered um, that she want, she considered it a start of a new life. And so she asked the founder for a new name. And so she um, she called her Chiara Luce. So she, Chiara is her, her name, which is derived from Claire of Assisi which means clear, and then luce means light. And so she called her clear light. Um, and about that later that year, she was playing tennis, and she had this weird pain in her shoulder that kept persisting, and she ended up going to the doctor, and she got diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma, which is a rare form of bone cancer. And her response to that was, um, it's for you, Jesus. If you want it, I want it too. And so she started chemo. Her hair would fall out. When she saw it fall out, she would just say, for you, Jesus. Um, so she ended up refusing morphine, refusing any pain treatment. She wanted to remain lucid so she could offer her suffering up. Um, she used to say, there's only one thing I can do now to offer my suffering to Jesus. She would befriend other patients and walk around with them as she could to help them in their depression, even if it brought her like great physical pain to walk around. Uh, one of her doctors, Dr. Antonio DeLogu said, um, through her smile and through her eyes full of light, she showed us that death doesn't exist. Only life exists. Mm -hmm. She gave all of her money to a missionary friend in Africa. And then when her cancer left her unable to walk, um, and it was so bad she could never be in remission, she said, um, if I had to choose between walking again and going to heaven, I wouldn't hesitate. I would choose heaven. Um, so when she knew she was going to die, she started planning her funeral with her mom and called it her wedding. And so she literally planned this like wedding funeral because she was going to be married to Jesus in death. 
Um, so she received last rites and died October 7th, 1990, at the age of 18, with her family at her bedside. Her last words were, Bye, Mom, be happy, because I am. And just what a beautiful life, like, to have lived. She was beatified by Pope Benedict XVI um, in September of 2010, and um, she's on the path to to full canonization sainthood. So, um, you know, if you're... I really feel like she really desires through her intercession to heal people of cancer. And so if you have cancer, like, I want to press on you, like, do a novena, get your whole family, your whole team of people involved in praying for the intercession of Blessed Chiara Luce Bonanno, um, and get her that next miracle that she needs to be become a saint because more people need to know about her story. Um, so... Blessed Chiara Abadano, pray for us. St. Charles yes. Borromeo, pray for us. Um, and until next time, please like and follow us on, on social media. Share this episode with people who you think might benefit from it. And please rate and review us on iTunes or whatever app that you're listening to this podcast on. It really helps people find it. It does. Um, and helps it come to the top of the search queue so that we can continue um, to fulfill this mission that we believe God has called us to, uh, to inspire and encourage people as they live out their Catholic faith. And so... Uh, if you want to support us financially, this podcast does cost money. Even if it's just a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive content um, on Patreon. And so you can go to our website, manafoodforthought.com, and see also our blogs, our vlogs, and also support us uh, in that way if you desire. Otherwise, uh, we hope to see you at our next episode. And until then, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye.